Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business podcast. I'm your host, Amy Lynch, and I'll be covering all things parenthood, business, flexible, and remote work with kids. I'll be sharing a mixture of solo mini episodes and interviews with other business and community leaders who also happen to be parents. Season three of the podcast has been sponsored by the Startup Community Empowerment Fund, which is presented by Startup Canada, MasterCard Canada, Sovereign Insurance, and UPS Canada. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review online. It helps other parents find the podcast. Visit mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Rashmi Surdesh Pandey is a mom of two and a lawyer turned children's author who loves taking big ideas and making them accessible and exciting for young readers. Her books have been recognized by Book Trust, listed in the Times and Sunday Times Best Children's Books of the Year, and she is a World Book Day author. Our conversation is split into three parts. In this second mini-episode, we talk about Rashmi's experience relearning how to be creative and the importance of fostering a sense of curiosity and innovation in young readers, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. Let's get into it. Are there any creative practices that you've had to try out or relearn, you know, as you've realized that you used to love writing? Have you had to try on any different processes or routines or creative practices to kind of find your best fit for what gets you in in the zone to do your writing? Lots, actually, because I think that is one thing that law did sort of take out of me because it's not so much about creativity. It's about precedence and it's about, you know, what's the standard way of doing things? And yes, you may have to tweak a little bit, but the base is there. Whereas with writing for children, nothing's there and you have to create from a blank page and staring about blank page, staring at a blank page is actually quite intimidating. And also allowing yourself to write something that is quite possibly rubbish in the first draft is really difficult if you've come from a background where you put pressure on yourself to want everything to be perfect. I've gone from a person who would never have a typo in an email to someone who regularly has typos in tweets and emails. And I, and I, I'm just rolling with it. You know, there's like this freedom of just being, this is really bad. And if you have any bankers on the listening to the podcast, like we used to say like bankers don't care if like they would reply without punctuation and, you know, just, just write in this most, the most casual way. But now I get it. I love that now. That's me now embracing just, um, just being personal. And so it's hard, but as a creative, you have to allow yourself to write a really bad first draft and know that you're going to rework it and rework it and you're going to have lots of eyes on it and you're going to you're going to have to give up some of your favorite bits and this is all new to me so actually I think creatively I've lost that the freedom I had as a child of just having that confidence in myself and just my child my children would just start a story and they don't say I don't know if I can I don't know if I'm good as as good as this person I never hear any of that from my five-year-old or seven-year-old that's what I do like imposter syndrome is is something I picked up generally in life and I've had to unlearn it um, or at least know how to deal with it it's amazing isn't it I, I remember watching my kids doing art at home like at this you know we're trying to do all this crafty things during the pandemic and my three-year-old would be cheering on his older brother like oh that's such a good job and then the other one's going <laughs> like I'm an artist I know I know Love I'm it. good and and there's yes. no doubt whatsoever so yeah we can learn so much from just watching how our kids treat other people but also talk about 
about themselves. Absolutely. So aside from the writing practices in terms of speaking at schools or writing festivals and events, how important has it been for you to bring your whole self to your work now? Like you said, becoming more personable with your social media and just not filtering everything. It's been really important, actually. And for school events, I didn't even know this was part of being a children's writer. This is how naive I was and how quickly I came into this industry. I didn't realize that there was something beyond writing a book. And now I realize that there is so much. You do do events with with bookshops, with schools, and with children at schools, you have to be your authentic self. And part of the learning for me was that, okay, this other author is a complete comedian. This other one is a full one-person performance with all the props. And that may not be me, but the kids will still love it, actually. I've had high fives down corridors on my very first event. And I wasn't hilarious, like anything like that. I was just me. And that was enough for them because they were just excited about having an author in. And as long as you're yourself, I find they connect to that. They can see fakeness a mile off and and they they don't respond to it. They don't engage with it. Just being you is 100% it. And the same for writing. I think when you write something that is so you, your editor knows, your agent knows, a publisher knows, and they get behind it because they don't have to shape it up in any way. It's your brand. And all of my books are very different. I write fiction and nonfiction, younger nonfiction, older nonfiction, but it's all got that kind of joyous, uplifting, empowering, love of learning, growth mindset. These are themes that you'll see throughout and also being sensitive about how everyone's situation is different and how anyone's situation can change. Things like empathy. I mean, even this book I'm writing on entrepreneurship, we talk about empathy in that book because that's me. Like that, those are my values. Yeah, well, that's a good segue because my next question is about your book that was selected for World Book Day, Think Like a Boss. So how important it is, is it to you as a writer and as a parent to foster a sense of curiosity and innovation and failing forward in young readers, especially when it relates to as it relates to entrepreneurship or trying new ideas? I think it's so important. It's not the mindset I grew up with, to be very, very honest. And that's why I care about it so much today, because I see that in my very young children. And I can see older children start to wrestle with it a little bit and start to put all of these different barriers up. And, and and decide that they don't belong in that world. And the thing about this book is it does talk about how to set up a business and all of those skills, but in a way that says, even if you never set up a business, you can apply these skills that entrepreneurs have to any area of your life, whether that's you know on the sports field, um, when you're doing art and you're dancing, um, you're writing, whatever it is that you're doing, coding, all of those skills apply. And I think they do. And I think the next generation to me feels like a generation of makers and creators creators in whatever way that may be, whether that's in the kitchen or on the dance floor, but like they're not just taking things in, they're creating their own pathways. And so all of those skills, curiosity, innovation, being comfortable with mistakes, my goodness, if someone had taught me to be comfortable with mistakes when I was young, that would have changed my life. And I really hope that children today do grow up knowing how important that is getting feedback without kind of feeling, you know, like, wow, someone, you know, it does make you vulnerable. But if you can take it and incorporate it and leave the things that you you don't agree with coolly, I mean, that's an amazing way to grow up. So I feel really strongly about it. And yes, some of them may go ahead and and be entrepreneurs or set up a little side hustle. The number of children who read um, Dosh or Cash that this book that this is a spin-off of and got all these ideas for their own side businesses. It was amazing. It's so fun to see. 
Yeah. I mean, and even like you've said, just learning to separate your self-worth from your ideas or from your work, that that doesn't define your value as a person. You're still a valuable person, regardless of whether your ideas work or not, or whether you produce as much as you think you can produce. And I don't know where we kind of learned that they have to be so connected or that we feel that they have to be so connected. But that's just something I've had to constantly unlearn. And even as a parent, it's like, you know, how I parent today, I can still make a different choice tomorrow. And yeah, you you fall into this pattern sometimes of thinking, oh, but I didn't do that right. Or yep. instead of realizing, well, okay, that didn't work this time. So I'll just not do it that way again. Yes, I love that. I really agree with that. I saw your, your one child also was helping you as a freelance PR assistant or... <laughs> Um, you know, promoting your workshops. So is that something that they got interested in just from watching you do your thing? Or was it something that you, you know, you asked them to help with? Because I found that my kids, they see me on this microphone, and then they come in and they start impersonating me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is what it is. I did not encourage anything. I don't encourage feedback from them at all. You know, the thing is with, with publishing as well, a lot of people ask me, do your kids read your books and like help you with your stories? And it's a really interesting industry because you don't use your children or like a school a class as um, you know to test out stories you editors rely on their kind of knowledge of the market and what works to say what's going to fly with children if you say oh my child loves this book they'll just go hold on a second what are you talking about don't care if your child loves your book you're you know they're your child but my my children yes they they sit in the same room as me and so my son's convinced he's going to have his own youtube channel at like 11 or something i'll have that fight with him later he's only seven we'll do later and you know they just they just pick this stuff up so they hear me talking about you know doing podcasts doing um school events sometimes if they're there I have to just have them there and so they listen and my daughter's been trying to I don't want to say the word force but possibly force children to borrow my books from their school library and I feel really bad when a parent gets me in the car park and says oh we've got your book home again I'm like I'm really sorry did my daughter force you to to do that because your daughter can borrow other books like it's not you don't have to keep borrowing this one but they're great for PR and my son again seeing me think about events he said well why don't you do this just because he's interested and because he is the target market he was spot on actually I piloted his idea for a kind of make your own picture book workshop at some schools and they loved it Um, and he knew exactly what they'd find fun and he also knew what some children would find difficult to understand in a worksheet which was interesting because he could put himself in their shoes and say yeah but if they're not very strong at reading then that will look like too much text and you need to pare it down he does to pare it down but you know it's great it's useful there you go you might be slowly changing the publishing industry from the inside (laughs) and say look we can't rely solely on market research we have to do focus groups with actual children I I can't believe that they don't do that especially with like entrepreneurship 101 is yes you can look at the size of the market but if you don't talk to your ideal customers how will you know it's shocking it really shocked me and I've asked so many times and it's just not done but I think for especially nonfiction, I'm going to push for it now I'm going to do it with my books because I think especially these older books that I write like like cash like this think like a boss it has to hit the right spot and it has to be useful and so I'd rather do those focus groups 
groups with schools and say, you know, speak to children and say, well, what would be useful to you? And does this make, are these your, like, what are your challenges? Or what do you wish you, you knew more about? So I'm going to do it, even if it's not done. Yeah. And, and like the co-creation behind that is people want to invest in things that they have a bit of buy-in to or feel like they've been a part of the journey. So yes. I think it's also good as a, a PR and marketing initiative as well. Yeah, such a good point. Your daughter and your son, they're on to something for sure. Thanks again to Rashmi for speaking with me about getting comfortable with making mistakes, showing up as herself, and testing out new ideas with her audience. The next episode will feature the final part of our conversation, where we'll talk about how she invests in herself as a writer, doing scary things, what she wishes someone would have told her before becoming a parent, and how she hopes her books are making a positive impact with readers. Check out Rashmi and her work at RashmiSurdishPande.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network and leave a review. It helps other parents find the podcast. You can access more business resources for parents on my website covering startup, entrepreneurship, flexible, and remote work news at MixingBabiesAndBusiness.com. Thanks for listening.